0: The Irish are a nation of storytellers. Our stories are embedded in us and in our landscape. Welcome to Tales and Trails podcast in partnership with Discover Ireland, a brand new and immersive audio experience that invites you to walk the Irish countryside with us. Today, I'll be joined by Dublin footballer and entrepreneur, Philly McMahon. Philly never dreamed to be a business owner when he was in school, but it's the same grit and determination he displays on the pitch that stands to him in business. He has also lent his voice to some amazing philanthropic work which you'll tell us about today. Philly and I will take on the Portumna Forest Park Rinmar walking trail in Ireland's hidden heartlands today. A walk with breathtaking views of Loch Derg and amazing natural diversity. This 10km loop takes around two hours to complete in full, so it's suitable for those who love exploration and stumbling upon wildlife in its natural habitat. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub on loven.ee to plan your short break in Galway, where we've highlighted all the best accommodation, restaurants, and things to do in the area. Philly and I met at the Rinmar Trailhead, ready to take on the trail. Philly, how are you? Great. I'll great. go, up, brother, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Portumna Forest Park is a haven for wildlife, so keep your eyes peeled for the red squirrel who pops up frequently along this trail. There's also a strong population of fallow deer, foxes and badgers. And most recently the white-tailed sea eagle. We got started heading in the direction of Rinmar Point. Philly told me about why he loves getting out for a walk.
1: Do you get out and uh, walk much yourself? Um, as you said, uh, believe it or not, I, I, uh, I have recently kind of taken it up as a hobby and uh, it, it's not by choice. Um, my fiance is the one that drags me out um, with my two dogs. of two little chow-chow dogs and they like two little teddy bears. So uh, we walk along, uh, we live in Ashtown, so we walk along the canal there. So it's only a recent thing. I love going to cinema as a hobby but she loves walking so it's something that I uh, definitely have brought into into what I'm doing.
0: Compromising young you yeah, get exactly. on board. Yeah, and I've yeah. seen pictures of those two dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they are <they're> cool. deadly. <laughs> they're
1: What's the cool. names? Uh, one's called Hugo and the other one's called uh, Melo. M- Hugo and Melo. They Mello. are yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Look, I'm kind of annoyed cool. that you didn't bring them along this wall. Yeah, I should look, have actually. We'll let it slide, we'll let, it, <laughs> we'll let it slide.
0: Yeah. Hey, we all know that you've been in like sports or, you know, How many years now?
1: Oh God, (laughs) that's Uh, a question question. I've played for (laughs) Dublin now. This is my eleventh season, so yeah, uh, it's flew through. I've loved every minute of it, highs and lows, and uh, very fortunate to be able to uh, put on the blue jersey. Yeah, you are indeed.
0: But we all we all know that nearly about you. But a side that people may not know is the business side of things. Yeah, you've kind of recently gone out on your own. Well, started a business.
1: Yeah, I I, I suppose I, I. set up my fitness company um, about, uh, I'd say it was about 11 or 12 years ago as well. When Just before I got on the Dublin senior yeah. team. Um, and we had uh, we had a kind of a business model where we were operating uh, small gyms in, in local GA clubs and soccer clubs and um, we kind of changed the model a little bit and we moved into a new 8,000 square foot premises in uh, Finglas there just off the M50. So it's going really well. We've got a really unique uh, training model and, um, and hopefully we might have a few popping up soon as well. Oh really, yeah? A few more gyms? Yeah, a few more gyms. Um, we are looking at something that um, hasn't been finalised, but there is an opportunity coming up, so hopefully that will work, but um, we're really happy with the premises we have at the minute. It's, it's, um, it's, it's really unique in its design, uh, and as I said, the model, the b 7 model is very important to us. It's very personalised, and we feel that in the fitness industry at the minute, um, there's a lot of low-cost, high-volume gyms. You know, loads of people getting filled into a gym. They're that that are paying very little, uh, and that's fine. That works for some people, but for us, we want to accommodate people that need personalization and really need to need support in terms of their fitness journey. Zone in on there, uh, like what well, you
0: can help with them personally, each individual. As yeah. Yeah. And they also have FitFood as well, don't you?
1: Well, we had FitFood, and we actually merged with a, a, a company called uh, NutriQuick. So, uh, really excited about that journey. Um, yeah, so, so, new to it's, it's, it's actually, we're in um, Aldi at the minute and stuff like that. So, we're going online uh, This week, we've only launched our new website. So, um, really excited about that. Um, much bigger operation. And uh, I, I think there's going to, we're, we're going to try uh, our best to get out there and, and kind of take a, a bit of the market if we can.
0: Yeah, happy days. There's a, that market's kind of, not getting saturated, there's a few different models like that as well, isn't there, at the moment, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, for me, I, I suppose, um, with FitFood, it was kind of a trial uh, and error and see how I, I was going with the, you know, I suppose I was I was in the fitness industry for so long, I needed to educate myself on the the, the food industry, um, and we'd done that and it worked really well. And what we had, what was really strong was the marketing side of things, uh, fortunate enough to have a sporting profile, that helped massively, Uh, the science behind it Um, and what we were missing was uh, the operation side of things Um, and to have a a, a kind of a manufacturing unit and and that's what Nutri-Creek has and the lads are are doing amazing work so there was a nice fit Um, and culturally their their values within the company is very similar to what I would certainly be um, be looking to have in terms of my company, so it was a nice nice fit. You
0: aren't just gonna partner up with anyone; they had to kind of fit your mold. As exactly.
1: Well. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just about um, you know us 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 partnering up and partnering up because they had the operations. They had to be it has to be the right fit in terms of the personality. It has, to, it has to the whole the whole company has to fit in to the values of what I believe in, um, and they definitely do. What.
0: What's it like starting up your own
1: business? Is it like, were you scared of doing it? Uh, it happened by it happened by an opportunity based that I was uh, I, I I done my um, PLT course in health rate of fitness when I finished school, and um, and I was working in the fitness industry for two two years, two to three years, and uh, I was struggling to get off uh, work for training. I was working for Ben Dunn at the time, and he didn't, uh, obviously <laughs> wasn't a big Dublin fan, he wouldn't let me off for training, so I had to move to DCU sport. And uh, it was great, uh, in DCU sport, because I was training all different athletes, and I was learning about uh, sport specific strength and conditioning. Um, and, and I was surrounded by students, so it kind of got me to the stage where I said, do you know what, you know, I can do a degree, like, you know, I was kind of maturing at that age, I didn't really, wasn't very academic in school. Um, but at that point, I, um, I said, you know what? I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a degree because not many of my friends have done it, not not many of my family members have done it. So, um, being surrounded surrounded by students, it was it was an opportunity for me to do it. And um, I had two options: go off and repeat my Leaving Cert, or um, wait another two years to to be a mature student. So. Uh, I was broke at the time, and uh, I had a car and I had a big loan, so I went and uh, I decided I'm going to repeat my Leaving Cert rather than waiting two years. So I went and, and repeat my Leaving Cert, and at that time then, uh, I was going into repeat my Leaving Cert in school in this Audi A4, and I only had two euro <laughs> a day. Like the kids thought I was absolutely loaded <coughs> driving an Audi A4. They either thought I was a drug dealer or a teacher, um, but it was brilliant because. Um, you know, it really gave me this perseverance, I, I suppose, attitude towards, you know, get it done and it'll be worth it at put, the end. So Putting in the higher graft. Yeah, so, so that's how the gym actually was developed because this guy came to me and he said, would you train my team? I see you're on the Dublin 21s. I said, yeah. He says, have you got a gym? And I said, yeah. And I actually didn't. Hadn't got a clear where to train them. So uh, my local GA club had an attic space in Ballywood Kickhams and that's where I said, you know what, I'll actually train them up here. And I was getting 60 euro a week off them and that got me through repeating me Leaving Cert because as I said I was absolutely broke. So uh, so yeah, as I said I wasn't very academic in school, um, probably because of maturity reasons. I went to school like a year younger than, than a lot of the kids in my class and uh, I always probably messed because I didn't, maybe wasn't smart enough. Um, in certain subjects, so I'd be put outside the class. And that was my way of getting out of it, like, you know. So I blame the system, but... <laughs> so uh, do I. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, for, for me, um, I'm really, I suppose, lucky that I got an, an opportunity to do it again, because um, it certainly helped me develop my company. You know, I went, when I trained that team, four of their mothers came and said, will you train us? And that's how it kind of kick-started. It yeah, then we had kind of one of the first boot, I didn't really like the name boot camp, but we had that type boot camp style. Uh, it was one of the first in North Dublin, and it just boomed, it was, it was ridiculous how fast it grew. And I actually got to the point where I was like, "Right, I'm making so much money here. Do I need to finish my degree?" But again, that perseverance was very important to me, and that pushed me through because I knew one day that that piece of paper, of having a degree, would help somebody else, would help somebody in my family, or would help a friend. And one of my good friends, uh, best man actually, at my wedding, Davy Bourne, he went on then and done a degree which I was delighted for. Uh, because of your inspiration? Well, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that, but he, <laughs> he, he says it to me, but he went on and done a degree and then went on and done a Masters, which is incredible, you know, so it's for me, in terms of the education, I would like to think that me and Davy and, and others from Barrymore can you know, pave the footsteps for people to believe that they can go on to and, and do things in their education.
0: Yeah, big time. Once you can see that path in front of you, it's a lot easier for people growing up to look at it and go, well, if he did it, I can follow those steps as well. You said you weren't that academic in school, but were you Were you? Were you bold? Were I was you, bold, yeah,
1: yeah. As I said, like, it's... Uh, I was bold because I was trying to hide that I wasn't academic, like, you know. Um, and I was like, I suppose, uh, for me, uh, it was funny because my thesis was about um, different intelligence. Like, so for me, I was kind of, you could say I was bodily kinesthetic. Uh, I really had good bodily kinesthetic intelligence, which basically means I'm very sporty. Whereas I wasn't, you, you look at the other side where I was poor at, you have logical, mathematical, which is basically you're bad at maths. So you'll see in school, there's patterns all the time where you'll see kids that are really good at sport, but really bad at maths. And then you might see the opposite. You might see some kids that are really good at maths but bad at sports. So my thesis was around actually, how do we teach maths through PE? Um, so uh, that's what, why I really enjoyed it. Like, what you did know. you come up with for that? <laughs> uh, so so uh, basically we picked some of the, the topics. Um, we picked some of the topics like uh, how to measure a pitch and stuff like that. And just making it really practical. Make it easy stuff. Yeah, yeah. How to add things when we're doing games and stuff like, you know, you know kids, you know, you want to find what they enjoy first of all, and try get them to learn while doing it. And that's that was probably the whole kind of synopsis of what I was trying to do.
0: So I are at the fork in the roads here. We're just going to take a left up okay. this way into into the woods, I suppose, as well. Again, uh, speaking of your thesis, yeah, and like what you what you've done it on. Do you think
1: our, our education system caters for all levels of intelligence? Uh, I'm kind of I, I I'm on the fence with this because. Um, I think our education system focuses on our weaknesses. Um, which is okay, but we need to focus on kids' strengths a lot more. Um, the only thing that kept me quiet in school was art and PA. Um, and never did I have, apart from my art teacher in fairness, but never did I have somebody focus that on me, like you know, that was something that just came out of me because of my father I was good at art and stuff like that. But um yeah, I do think what do you mean that it focuses on our weaknesses? Well, like I mean you know, you look at the, how it's graded in terms of, let's say when I was in school, I, w- I was graded uh, based on, <laughs> I was put into a class that was like the second highest, which means you're the second highest smartest. It was strange. Like it was, and I've, I've guys, I've friends actually that are in the highest, but they're, they're actually in Mount Joy right now, right? And, and that's unfortunate, but uh, it's it's hard to kind of, um, yeah, I, do, I think so that So what that are they grading it on? What's, well, what's the, their system there? Yeah, it's some of the some of the kids that were in the lowest class were graded not because how smart they were, but how much they missed, you know. So, so that labels the kids straight away. Now, that might be only in the school I went, and it's it's probably not there now, but that certainly that's that's something that's, that needs to be changed. I think creativity is a huge thing that we need to go after in schools. Um, we need to go after arts. We need to go after uh, music. We need to go after sport. Uh, I think there are three three of the big things that can actually break a cycle, especially in communities that are struggling with poverty uh, or lack of opportunity. That if we can get them going through these, like for example, you know, if you're a kid that plays music, uh, an instrument at a very young age, there's a good chance they won't engage in antisocial behaviour because they're playing a guitar or they're kicking a their football. Their energy's going into you in know. So um, little ideas around breaking breaking the cycle of them going through. Whatever that may be—drugs, crime, uh, alcohol—I think that's very important. But creativity, we don't really have it enough. Like we wait till we we get we get kids going through this kind of memory test from junior cert to leaving cert, and then they have to use their initiative um, and their creativity when they hit college. Whereas we should be doing that at a very young age. We should be making these kids as creative, yeah, as creative creative as possible, um, so that when they get into university, that you're just topping that up, like you know. So. Um, it should be maybe important.
0: applauded a bit more then. So like,
1: yeah, like, <laughs> do we?
0: You have forced them to go out and no, do it. Like, what do? You, what way do you kind of implement? Yeah. Look, uh, given these uh, instruments.
1: Yeah, I think I think we have. I want you to think of it this way. Like we have, we think of Ireland as a, as a pond and has them dirty pockets, and and you have people that don't fit into those pockets uh, culturally, and um, based on the standards and the rules that we've set, like in the laws. Um, I essentially didn't fit into the forced kind of filter, which is the education system. I didn't fit in there, like, because maybe maturity, maybe I I just wasn't smart enough. I do put it down to maturity. Uh, But a lot of kids struggle, um, maybe because their family cycles are not, you know, they're not very educational. Like, parents maybe didn't go to school or university. um, And they, they have probably very little support at home. So that happens a lot. So the kids that are in that, uh, position have very little chance or opportunity to excel in the education system. That's not saying that there's, there's kids that grow up in my area of Ballymun that can't excel but I do think that, that there's, a, there's a lack of opportunity and that lack of opportunity certainly has a hindrance on the future. Go ahead. Looking back I'd say you're
0: not <laughs> doing the best in school but now you own your own business, yeah. doing pretty well for yourself. What would you, would you could you look back and Told Living a young filly
1: am. that you're going to see that. No, definitely not. I'm so fortunate. Look, I suppose to give you a whole synopsis of my life to to grow up in Ballymoun, I was it was so so fortunate. A lot of people might think that's it's a cliche thing to say, or maybe I'm just saying it because I'm trying to champion the area, but it's not. Like me growing up in Ballymun that made me learn so much. Um, I wouldn't have changed growing up in a flat to any house in, uh, seven, with seven bedrooms and any part of the, of, of the of Dublin, like, so for me, um, the lessons I learned from the area, the lessons I learned from my brother John's mistakes, the values my parents gave me, the skills and life skills I got from John being a role model in, in probably some ways negative, and then certainly learning them skills, the life skills and commitment levels uh, at, with sport was huge for me, so no, definitely if you were to, if you were to look back and someone to say, Jesus. Did you think you would have ended up here? No. To walk in a beautiful <laughs> forest doing a, an interview with yourself is uh, its incredible. But, you know, um, that's not to say I, I tore my nose at bad people that have went down the wrong route. I have friends in Mount Joy, and I'll give you a story. One of them actually said to me one day, we were kicking the ball at the, at the Flats, and he said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, uh, what do you want to do? And I just said, Jesus, I'd like to go to college. And I didn't really believe it, but I just said it. And um, he says, no, you, only poshies go to college. And... You have to be from the south side to go to college. college and I was like, yeah, right, whatever. Yeah. That guy is now in prison and I'm helping him with my program that I'm running in there. I'm just very fortunate uh, to have all these opportunities come my way. And I suppose it's very important that we realize that all of these negative events or things that happen to you, there's always an opportunity from them, so. Help build you to who you are today, yeah. basically. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's very it's very good that I can go in and help these guys and they don't, the only who can relate to me and the success I've had with life and different parts of life. So
0: that's the important thing now is going back and then trying to make you know ten fillies when there's only one filly back in your area. You know what I mean? Try yeah. Um, I don't know. Show them the way. Show them the path.
1: How do how do we going really to do that? Yeah. So. Like there's a, again, i going back to that cycle thing, which that's that's the purpose I have in life now. is to it's to break that cycle. Um, so it's going back. It's kind of a spectrum. It's going back and helping the kids uh, in my area and trying to give them opportunities because we call let's say for example Ballymore a socially disadvantaged area but I wasn't socially disadvantaged so I had lack of opportunity um, and I think a lot of them kids do right now so it's going back into the schools and trying to support them and help them show them the way um, and, and then it's the high-risk youths that are probably on the way that journey unfortunately my charity half-time talk is is trying to impact their lives and then Mountjoy. so we're kind of targeting in three areas and, and it's, it's incredible to think that, if we prevent kids uh, through early intervention, we impact their high-risk youths through my, ch- my charity halftime Talk, and then we impact prisoners, the amount of things we're gonna do for this country, we're gonna say, we're going to save, let's from a financial point of view, save millions for the taxpayer, right? We'll impact mental health, we'll impact uh, homelessness, we'll impact addiction, um, we'll impact victims of crime. So it's gonna be, I, I hope, my, my purpose in life is to get to a stage where I can look back and say, do you know what, what I did impacted the country, uh, impacted, and if it's only one person's life, great, but if, it's, if it impacts the culture of, of, of my area, of Ballymone, of Dublin, of, of the country, wow, well, that's much better than winning 50 All-Irelands. It's important in those foundations to make these areas grow up with better opportunities yeah, it's, like, for me, uh, in a lot of ways, I always said to myself, this is too easy, this is common sense, why are we not doing it? And uh, I suppose, like, unfortunately, uh, at the hierarchy, we don't have enough people from these communities th- that are representing, uh, th- you know, at the higher level. So uh, the social inequality is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's not to say that we shouldn't support communities that are middle class or upper class, no way. He's, E- equality is about supporting everybody equality. <laughs> but yeah exactly but we don't have unfortunately we don't have we're we're hindering the the futures of young kids that are coming from um you know impoverished communities
0: philly and i now arrived at rinmar point and stopped for a break to take in the scenery the views across loch Durr to terry glass are breathtaking and you'll likely spot some cruisers gliding through the water as they navigate the shannon waterways most of the lake and the shoreline are official sanctuaries, so this is a great place to do some wildlife spotting. If you continue on, you'll arrive at Portumna Castle and Gardens, one of the most popular attractions in Ireland's hidden heartlands. The castle was built in around 1616 by Richard de Burgo, and is said to have cost £10,000 to build, an insane amount of money at the time. The castle is open for tours of the interior, gardens and kitchen, and you'll also see the ruins of a Dominican friary on the site. You can also check out the exhibitions on display, which tell the story of the De Burgo family and the castle itself, which was the home of this family for over 200 years. Everyone loves short breaks, but to really experience a place, you have to get out there. A walk helps you clear your head and truly connect with where you are. Whether you're wandering, rambling or hiking, walking makes your break. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on loven.ie, where you'll find inspiration for your next short break in Ireland. So a minute ago you mentioned your half-time talk.
1: Yeah. What is that? Uh, it's a basically kind of, it's an, uh, it's philosophy based around life and sport. Uh, and I look at my sport, I play a first half, I go a half-time, and I reflect on how good I've been or what I need to improve, and I go out and I play my second half. And a half-time talk is when somebody has basically uh, a certain event in their life. It could be mental health, divorce, a breakup, it could be... Um, a bereavement like me, uh, and basically what it does is it kind of stimulates or uh, ignites something within you and go, you know, because you're surrounded. Let's say, for example, in my case, it's probably the most extreme case where someone direct, someone uh, direct family member has passed, um, and that basically kind of gives you an understanding of life and death. So you kind of you get rid of that selfishness of not enjoying life. Um, and you say, well, like, for me, my brother John wanted to be on the planet, he didn't want to die, like, you know. And I have the opportunity. And I know it's, it sounds selfish, but I have the opportunity. So me not living life and not going after things um, is selfish in a way because he'd want to be here. Um, so being around life and death and, and using that then. And basically, you get, the, you, like, I had my half-time talk when my brother John passed. I thought he was living a good, a good first half you know I I was employed I had I'd won my first all in 2011 um, but for me it, you know I only really understood what I was capable of um, when John passed and and I suppose it's funny when you look at your first half and you go you know I was only living a good first half based on the standards I set for myself but if you didn't have a kind of uh, a measurement of standards what could you achieve so for me um being able to Use my sport and profile to help others is the opportunity that I have, and uh, and you know that eye opening moment.
0: You sat yourself down, had your own halftime talk with yourself, but you obviously give these talks now to others.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, like for me, it's it's about um, you know I brought the Sam McGuire into the house one day, and a lot of kids came over, signed you know, done autographs and. Went into the house, came back down, another kid came over, younger brother of the kids. One of the kids I signed his jersey said, you signed my jersey? I said, yeah. He said, are you famous? I said, oh, in my head I was about to say no. And he said, but you're on telly. And I said, yeah, oh yeah, I'm on telly. So he says, ah, oh, then you must be famous. I said, "Oh yeah." And he said, wait, well, you can't be famous because you're from Ballymo. And I was like, God. why? This is, this is, I need to sit this kid down. We we're sitting on the path, me, the cup and the kid. What age is this kid? He was supposed to be in only seven or eight, um, so you can from that alone you can tell God the, the self-image, that the self-confidence that, that it's very low in Ballymun and, low and, low and low, these kids. Um, so I remember talking to a friend of mine and saying to him, you know what, I sat down with this kid and I had a chat with him about you know what I've done and where I came from and whatever else and he says how did you feel? I said I felt amazing, I felt great um, that I gave that kid a little bit of energy, it might not have Maybe it'll change his pathway, maybe it won't. But I felt great for him. And he said, well, now you need to get as many people on that path as possible and make the biggest pathway you can create. And, and that's through using my voice and going and talking to people. And that wasn't always easy. Like, you know, um, obviously I had to learn how to public speak and it happened through experience. And over the years, I suppose, I've got to the level where I'm only talking about my experiences and and a lot of the nerves that you would have had early on public speaking, that kind of goes because I'm only telling my story. I'm only telling, some people might get sick of my story, but but I'm gonna, that doesn't really bother me because I'm gonna keep talking and I'm gonna keep using the platform I can to try to help people.
0: It is so different compared to your other, like your business and your sports. Did you get nervous when you're going up to public speak and do Uh, those talks?
1: Do you know what, it depends. Um, So I've done a good few things, like I've obviously done the documentary which was brilliant i loved that experience um done my ted talk and stuff like that ted talk was a little bit different because it was um you know the the biggest complex i actually developed is actually when people are actually really good speakers and they're they're uh, ahead of me uh, they speak before me and i'm going oh they're brilliant oh, no. and I'm like, oh, can I? but then i just kind of reflect back on like look it's just your own story just tell it and uh, evolve it but I you know over the years I've, I've evolved the story and added parts to it that I think it's really important and I've also then I suppose I'm really big advocate for mental health as well as uh, drug addiction because they're all they're both linked they're together. all linked together so, yeah. yeah so
0: and linked in with sport and stuff like that do you reckon we can combat those true sport do you reckon getting people yeah. in sport yeah well look
1: it, the big thing is right we're talking about, again, going back to that point of breaking a cycle. I'm an example of someone believing in a kid uh, through, let's say, uh, my coach was Paddy Christie. He seen the energy I had and he said, right, I'm going to put that into sport. I'm going to get you to put that into sport. And now today, I'm actually now trying to to be a role model, uh, trying to, to change uh, the, the, the pathways of young kids in Ballymun. And that's what that's that's how powerful that can be like you know i always say it's like you know when we're talking about that filter in the big pond in ireland it's like getting a fish cleaning the fish and putting it back into the pond and having a ripple effect on the rest of the kids so um if if we can do that then it, it has a knock-on effect and you're basically building an army that are just supporting each other and, and you know building each other up instead of yeah. taking each other yeah. down.
0: Yeah. Uh, your TED talk in Mount Joy, obviously it was it was great. Um and I love the quote at the start about the fish.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. one of my favourite quotes. Yeah. Come on and say it for us a yeah, one. Yeah. Uh so everyone's a genius. Yeah, he believed everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll think it's stupid for the rest of his life.
0: That's so accurate. Yeah, yeah well that's, it's, uh, that's it's going we have back to what we've said, for like, the whole the whole conversation here.
1: Yeah, well that's it that's it. Like as, as I said, it's like um we shouldn't really penalise and punish uh, people, especially youths, because they don't fit into the education system, um, and basically when we do penalise them then they, there's a good chance they'll go on to the penal system and they'll maybe end up in a child detention centre like Overstown, which then they'll end up in Mount Joy or another prison around the country. Just the, the pattern is there, like it's, it's obvious, um, and if we can you know, break that pattern, again, it could be a, a kind of an example of someone like me who's going into Mountjoy Joy and helping others, like...
0: Today's walk is situated in Ireland's Hidden Heartlands, a region which stretches outwards from the banks of the Shannon. Nestled in the heart of the country, it's a haven of picturesque villages, stunning tracks, trails and waterways, as well as brilliant bars and restaurants waiting to be discovered. For more information, head to loveandie forward slash talesandtrails.
1: Last week we had a topic on behaviours. So what behaviours do we accept and stuff like that? And we'd have them sitting down. We'd meditate, and we'd get them basically from point A to point B. A would be where they are right now. B is is essentially where they want to get to. Maybe when they get released into the into society. Um, and yeah, so so we'd sit down and we'd go through that, um, basically bringing up all these different emotions to try to get a... A, f- a connection from the feeling to the behavior and um, then we give them a task so we've got uh, leadership tasks where we, we say to them okay the topic this week is addiction you have to go off and come up with a task to combat addiction in the prison so they're going off and they're thinking right okay uh, there's there's John he's two he's two cells down i'm going to go up and have a chat with him pro- try to get him out of the gym try connect with him um, one other guy came up with an idea of going down to the detox, the medical unit, and actually buddying up at somebody before they come up. So they've, there's three parts of the prison. The main jail, which unfortunately is ravaged with, with drugs. You've got detox, the medical unit at the back, and then you've got the progression unit, which used to be St. Pat's the, for the under 18s that uh, offended. Oh, OK. Um, so it's a cycle there. So someone puts the hand up and says, I want to change. I want to stop taking drugs. They go to detox. To do that detox program they go up to the, the, the progression unit so we want to catch them before because there is drugs in the progression unit as well not as much Watch but we want to uh, we want to affect <laughs> we want to try affect the uh, the future yeah. <laughs> getting taken out Yeah, we, we want to try affect them um, their choices before they come up you know so that's what we're trying to do and he said he
0: budded up with someone in the detox area to try
1: yeah the plan is that he'd go down and he'd, he'd, he'd meet someone he say right when you come up you're going to be offered drugs. You're clean right now. You've been clean for the last, I think it's nine weeks, program the program, the detox program is for. When you come up here, engage with me. We go to the gym. It's a much better life. You feel great. You feel good. Um, because ultimately, prison, it's not really a good filter. Like it's, it's to take the person's liberty away because they committed crime. But it's also then to rehabilitate them. So when they get back out, when they reintegrate into society, that they don't reaffirm and cause more victims and cause the the country more money. But the filter is not really working that well. And that's what you're trying to do? We're trying to create a better filter. And there's brilliant programmes, there's a brilliant education system in there, Um, but there's certain things that we want to create within the prisoners, develop leadership, develop that that side of it.
0: You said you were uh, meditating with them. How how did that go?
1: Um, Believe it or not, in that that part of the prison they have even um, They'd have yoga. Some of the the, the prisoners would do yoga and stuff like that. So um, a lot of them would be open to it. A lot of them wouldn't. Um, It's more guided meditation. So I'm speaking through a script and getting them to think of that that good place, that good memory they've had. Um, So that they're feeling good when they go back to their cells. They're feeling good when they go back to their landings. Uh, And that might only last for a short period of time. But that might give them or influence them just help somebody else if they're in better mood. So, um, yeah, we actually do ice bats as well. Believe Don't it or me. not. Yeah, we do ice baths with the prisoners. So, and the reason we do the ice baths is that we're trying to develop their stress coping mechanisms. So when they get into the ice bath, when they're submerged in the ice, what happens is obviously they fight or flight response. Either they oh, I know. jump I felt out, that before. Yeah. <laughs> either they jump out, or they stay in it and control their breathing. So, um, very similar when there's confrontation that. Power general builds up, and we want them to just breathe. Learn how to control and, that, and yeah, and respond the right way rather than reacting. So, so with <laughs> sport, business, and
0: all these other side ventures, what's 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 in the pipeline for Philly over the next couple of years?
1: I, do you know what I always say? You know, I'm on this journey. I don't know the destination. You you've probably hear that quote for. But for me, I'm I'm fortunate to have really good staff members that allow me to do things like this. So yeah, like I've got I've got three or four things going on, and sometimes. Um, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to, to actually focus on the really important thing, which is my me, me family members and my me, uh, me girlfriend, now fiancé, oh, she like the word fiancé, but I'm going to say it. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, although I love doing them other things, sport and business and the social work I'm doing, um, sometimes I, I neglect the really important thing, which is family and friends. Uh, and certainly uh, spending time with, with Sarah and uh, the two dogs. Um, she's always, I always say it and she always comes back to me saying, yeah, you always say that, but you still don't spend enough time with it, you know? so. Um, I can
0: hear you saying the words.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look, um, we're not all perfect. We all need to work on some part of our, our lives and certainly relationships and, for it is me, a one it is one I need to go after. We're going retreat That's uh, please hi- do My hips are a bit tight from training <laughs> last night, trying to jump over that branch. Speaking of meditation, do you meditate yourself? You mostly I doing, do, I, guidance. Yeah, stuff. I do. Um, I'd like to do a lot more. Um, I'm kind of messing around with this Wim Hof method, uh, the ice baths and the, the breathing techniques. So I, I've, done their, I've done their course. Um, the Wim, Wim Hof level 1 so that intrigues me um but for me the big thing is is just getting the balance because of the time situation it's it's being able to focus on everything 100% so if I don't meditate well then I won't be able to focus on sport I won't be able to focus on business and I just I just I just won't give it 100% which is which is what I need to do what else do you do to keep care of yourself um I kind of have little habits that I would have in the morning time I'd get up I actually sometimes I wouldn't say all the time but I try to have a cold shower. I can't um, do it. Yeah, I can't, I can't it's tough. Do it. <laughs> but it's 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 essentially again it's one of them things where it takes you outside your comfort zone and if it takes you outside your comfort zone then if you have any stress built up throughout the day, you you're kind of you're developing that already so you can deal with it better. Um, nutrition is very important in the morning time uh, and um, and then I obviously have my supplements to take in the morning and then I just try, I try, now I don't do it all the time again, I'm not saying I'm perfect but I try to <laughs> get out and run around with the dogs, that brings a bit of movement into my body so I've got nutrition, hydration, uh, I've got a little bit of uh, stress cope mechanism with the, with the cold shower So there. and then most of the time, Sarah wouldn't uh, agree with this but most of the time I try to make the bed and that's my little <laughs> habit for the rest of the day yeah so, so they're the little things again I have a default diary where I'm seeing where I'm Spending most of my time and energy on throughout throughout the day and throughout the week. Um, that's really good. That that's a gives me the good balance. way to see
0: Yeah, yeah see you out there. It You're saying balance. with the dogs, without well, being out and about, it's kind of like even coming out and doing these walks in nature. Like, yeah. You just feel so refreshed after it. being yeah. out, getting the fresh air and stuff like that, and seeing a bit of the lake as we're coming up here. We're just actually getting it? to the amazing. the end of it now, so we're just yeah. getting. You can actually see loads of boats out there, people taking good advantage of the Shannon waterways, and you can also see if you can just. Pop over this, this way, you can, over, yeah. you can see over to Terry Glass, oh, just yeah, across yeah. the lake there. Beautiful. Nice, beautiful, absolutely beautiful stuff. Look, yeah. that's all we have time for. Th- thank you so much for coming on. It. Thanks very much for having yeah, me. Yeah. Pr- really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks, Cheers. If you're inspired to take a short break in this area, we have plenty of inspiration for you on the Lovin.ie Tales and Trails Hub, where we've outlined the perfect Galway bucket list. As well as the Rinmar Trail, you can visit the nearby Athenry Heritage Centre and the Irish Workhouse Centre, have a go at archery or enjoy some water sports at Loch Derg. If you're lucky, you might catch the Port Tumna Country Market every Friday morning from 8.30 to 12.30, or if fine dining is your thing, La Bouche Restaurant prides itself on being Port Tumna's premium dining experience. It's always important to be respectful of the wildlife and the surrounding environment, so make sure to leave the trail as you found it. Visit leavenotraceireland.org for more information. The Tales and Trails hub in partnership with Discover Ireland is a bounty of information on the best walks all around the country for your next short break. From the spectacular wild Atlantic way to the serene beauty of Ireland's hidden heartlands, the epic Ireland's ancient east or the surprises of Dublin, you're sure to find a walking break to suit you and your family. Just the break you're looking for. Make sure to share your trail photos using the hashtag lovin'Tales and Trails. Tales and Trails podcast is in partnership with Discover Ireland. Learn more about exploring the best walks of Ireland's hidden heartlands at lovin.e forward slash trails. Walking makes your break.